0: Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Saverns. I'm the worship pastor here at Compass Point, and today with me is Lead Pastor Paul Eastwood. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing good. It is a it snow
1: is. day today as we are recording this.
0: Yeah, we like this This weekend was Valentine's Day, Family Day, and now Snow Day. It's very, very exciting. Um, but we're not here to talk about holidays, are we, Paul? We're we sure are not. We're to talk about... About Sunday, we're here to continue to talk about Thessalonians in the series we're in. Um, do you want to give us a little recap from Sunday?
1: Where were we? Yeah, we were at the end of uh, chapter five of First Thessalonians, mm-hmm. which is the end of the book. And so we were closing off First Thessalonians, and as Paul was wrapping things up, he has this—he has these little bits of information that he sort of fires away at the end, quick fire. And what he's talking about, really, I think, is 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 really a, a, a more of a focus on what the church needs to do in order to stand firm in the midst of all of this. And so hmm. he kind of turns his attention to the group together, and he says, "Here are some things that you can focus on." And so what we talked about is our attitudes towards leadership, um, our attitudes towards each other, and our attitudes towards worship, and and those things combined. Uh, Sort of form the backbone of um, of stability when it comes to living out our faith and mm-hmm. um, and finding ways to honor God through our lives. Yeah, that's that's great. Well, let's let's dive into these um, these things.
0: So let's let's start attitudes towards church leadership. I um, mean, you touched on Sunday. Obviously, uh, we have we have scores of people who are leaders in our midst in, in different yeah. capacities. Um, I mean, obviously, we've got lots of volunteers, lots of people doing stuff. Uh, but we've got staff, and we've got our board, which is our elders and deacons. Um, how do we how do we treat these people? How do we encourage them? What does that look like?
1: Yeah. And so what I mentioned on Sunday was probably the first thing that we can talk about is is um, thankfulness and just being appreciative, mm. um, saying thank you more often. Um, you know, there's this fine line of uh, yes, we need to honor those who have been put in 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 you know who are responsible for us and our growth. But that doesn't mean that you know we just throw out the idea of earning respect or earning that kind of um, that kind of uh, you know perspective. I think both of those things come into play. Uh, What Paul talked about is the leaders who a work hard among you, um, and b who uh, who care for you in the Lord, and then c who admonish you. So he talks about these three characteristics, and those Mm. are the kinds of leaders that we need to respect—the ones who work hard, who care deeply and who have the courage to admonish at times those are the leaders that we need to um you know respect and honor and and that and and what paul actually comes to when he talks in this passage is he talks about peace and he says mm. be at peace and that i think is directly related to leadership and how we how we have that piece because i mean i think you know what i was going to say dave is like y- y- you know this and people listening to this we always you know when we're sitting around the water cooler i mean when we could do that at work or <laughs> yeah. having lunch when we could do that at sitting work around the zoom yeah but there's a lot of a lot of times we have these conversations about our bosses or about management mm-hmm. or about the you know the people that are responsible for us and and oftentimes those conversations don't go super well in fact for the most part, um, there's always reason to be critical of leaders, and and so I think that we we sort of have that in our mind, and then we take that over into our church, and then yep. and so that criticism becomes really apparent there. The truth is there there is valid reasons to be frustrated with your leadership um, mm-hmm. a lot, and and that's kind of where it comes from when it comes to the uh, our work side, but I think it also um, you know, we have to recognize it happens in the church. But the question is, we, we should be different as a, as a body of believers. So what does that look like, right? So so are you... Okay, I'm going to
0: point out the irony of what you're saying. And we are having this conversation as you're the lead pastor. I am one of your employees, but I'm also a staff member. Um, we both receive a lot of feedback. Are you saying that people shouldn't give us critical feedback? Or how, how do we... Um, How do we help our leaders and how do we give them good feedback? Maybe is the
1: question I'm asking. Well, simple. If the only time that you're connecting with your leader is to give critical feedback, don't do it. I mean, you haven't earned the right to have a conversation. People, You're not going to be heard. I mean, let's just put aside, like I'm just talking practically here. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, And maybe this is a, you know, kind of a, you know, maybe it's a pride thing from leaders or whatever it is. Um, I get all that, but just practically speaking, if you actually want to be heard, then be someone who is encouraging on a regular basis. Find ways to be thankful for the work that people are doing. Because I don't know about you, Dave, but I know for me personally, I'm much more interested in in listening to critical feedback um, from someone who has shown that they are on my side and want us to succeed as a church. Yeah. Um, and so. I I think that giving critical feedback is absolutely important to the life of the church. And, and I'm, I, like I said, I'm just talking practically here. You're Mm -hmm. probably, even if you're right, giving the negative feedback, it's not going to be heard if you're someone who only connects with your leader when you have something negative to say. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's
0: really, really helpful. I'm my personality type. I, I actually really love good lively debate and disagreement. Um, but I'm with you. If someone only ever talks to me to give me specific critical feedback, um, and especially if it's not done with grace or kindness, uh, I I don't I don't particularly hear it or think it's valid. Um, and same thing with I mean we we kind of have a policy. If someone sends an anonymous feedback, if someone leaves an unsigned note, we throw it out. We don't pass it along. We don't take it seriously. It's not it's not worth it. Um, that being said, one of the things. Um, I have I so appreciate people coming to me and offering different perspectives um, if they're people who have proven that they are with us and um, yeah appreciative I one of the uh, anyone who's in leadership knows this this tension but one of the things that I, I feel we face is um, we get really generic thanks from people hey that was great and then really specific feedback. Hey, this specific thing you did was terrible for this reason. I mean, yeah. and, and most people aren't that harsh, absolutely. Um, but I would just encourage you, man, find specific things that you can be thankful for in the leaders that you work with on um, the leaders yeah. in the church. And I'm not, this is not for, for you and I, Paul, um, but maybe you work closely with other staff members. Maybe, you know, some of our deacons or elders, find specific things that you can appreciate that you can be thankful for, that you can come alongside and encourage them. Yeah. And that is, that's huge. I find.
1: Yeah. And I would also say, you know, Dave, I think it's important for people to recognize that and I've and, you know, from what I've seen from our leaders and right across the board in different places in our church, I say I would I would say, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt that every one of them works hard and cares deeply and wants to make Mm -hmm. sure that we're on the right path. And so here's the thing. Nobody wakes up in the morning saying, how can I make a big mistake? You know, instead, what our leaders are doing every time they get up is thinking, how can I help people get closer to God? How can I help people get closer to God? And I think that if I'm part of the church family and, and you know, at some point in my career, perhaps I will be part of the church family and not in the lead pastor role. I think I mm-hmm. need to recognize that, that, you know, the time that we spend around the room, you know, praying for our congregation and caring for them deeply, you know, should help people recognize that you know, when mistakes happen, because we know they will, um, we can say, look, no one's waking up today saying, how can I make the biggest mistake? Or how can I just be thoughtless today? We're we're all trying to make good decisions. And sometimes we slip up. And so that should color the way that we have communication with our leaders and honoring them and respecting them will actually set us apart from the world around us. Because generally yeah. speaking, look at politics, look at the news, look at everywhere else. You know, we spend a lot of time criticizing our leaders and I try very hard, um, not to be critical of those in, in positions of leadership because I know the difficulty that, that comes with it. And I know that none of these people, like, as I said, wakes up thinking, how can I make the biggest mistake today ever? You know, like, yeah, yeah. um, so
0: that's, that's good. Well, let's, uh, let's flip from leaders to each other. How do we, um,
1: how do we treat each other better? What are some practical yeah. practical tools uh, S- there? So this one is interesting because what he talks about. So in the first section, he's talking about have peace. And then the second section, he actually talks about patience. And he says, have patience mm. for one another. And I think this is a really interesting one. He actually goes on um, uh, to say after he talks about this idea of, you know, kind of warning the disruptive, encouraging this disheartened. Uh, he also said, "Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else." And I think what he's getting at here, and I didn't, I didn't get too deeply into this on Sunday. But I think what he's getting to this is is that there's a motivation or there's a there's a part of us that gets very frustrated when we don't see movement the way that we should. So, for instance, let me give you an example. You know, someone is is really going down the wrong path. Just just, you know, maybe there's uh, some addictions or something that's going on and you come alongside them in love and, and try to help them move in a different direction and they just refuse or they just keep blaming other people or you know they're they're doing those things what ends up happening sometimes is we start to get resentful and say do you know how much time that i've put into this do you know how much i care about you i've been trying all this time and you don't care well good riddance you're done you're like forget it it's no it's over and i think this is what what paul was getting at here i think he was recognizing that when we get into life on life with other people it's messy and it's hard and 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 you know hear me here i'm not suggesting that we need to put ourselves in positions where we get hurt you know over and over by people but what i am saying is that we should have people we should be people who are characterized by patience and you know what goes along with patience grace and and to mm. me, the church should be a conduit of grace. We should be a place that pours out grace to the people that are around us. And and frankly, that's not what the church is known for these days. The church, for no. for many people, our neighbors and friends, you know, may see us as people who don't have grace, who actually speak out more about things that they don't like um, yeah. than than speak out on side on the side for you know for justice and peace and all those good things. So I
0: love I love what you're saying there. Um, can you give me any any specific examples, maybe things you've seen, even in our church, that maybe maybe don't express patience, uh, that, that don't have us doing that, and then what, what the alternative could look like? Can you just paint a little picture there, um, something really practical, really hands-on?
1: Um, okay, so picture in your mind, wherever you are, if you're driving or whatever, picture in your mind mm-hmm. that person that when they come towards you on a Sunday morning, your heart starts beating a little faster and you're kind of thinking to yourself, oh man, what are they going to tell me about today? Or what are they going to complain about? Or what are they going to, you know, um, be concerned about or whatever? Think of that person mm-hmm. in your mind. And then the, yep. the question is, what does patience or having patience look like for that person? And and yeah. so one of the things that, that you know, in this passage I, I mentioned on on Sunday is that in this particular section, they talk about You know, how do we, um, you know, give the right medicine for the right problem? And that Mm. requires us actually listening to what's going on, because it's easy for us to say that person is disruptive. And so what they need to be is reprimanded or warned. And this passage, says warn the disruptive, warn those people who are kind of, you know, whatever. But maybe when we listen and take the time to hear, we may find out that these people are disheartened or we may find out that they're hurting in some way. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. the response, the medicine for that issue, the response that we need to show is actually something different. We don't need to warn the or warn the disheartened that's going to end up pushing people away. If the person is disheartened, we need to comfort them and encourage them. And so in our minds when we think of those people coming towards us who just, you know, the hair on the back of our neck stands up and we just bristle at it, when we have a conversation with people like that, our job should be listening carefully to find out what's going on in that person's life and how can I speak to that directly? And yeah. and you know, so sometimes you may feel like the person Maybe the person feels like they've lost something big, and the reason that they're complaining is because they're thinking about another time. And you can come alongside them and say, "Hey, you know, I understand that things were different here, or things were different then, or whatever. You know, what are yep. some things that you can look at now that bring you courage or bring you peace or whatever?" So I, I think that's the way that I would put it. I think we can all think of people who we don't have patience for. The question I, is, uh, yeah. The question is, are we helping them the best way possible? Yeah, that's that's really helpful.
0: And I, I would also say um I was struck as you were saying that. I th- I think that's a great perspective and and you should know people in the church who you don't have a lot of patience for. Um we we as pastors know that. We we try to know people and and I I'm, I'm not going to say it's our job, but but absolutely right. Uh the yeah. the danger of a church like ours that's a bigger church is that you can actually do church uh come to church and leave church without connecting with people and without connecting, even without connecting with people who aren't like you, you can kind of have your small group. Um, and I'm not talking the small group programs we run, but, but like a group of people who are like you, who think like you and kind of intentionally ignore everyone else. If you, as Paul was saying that, if you're like, man, there's no one at church who annoys me, it's not because there's no one annoying at church. It's because you don't know the community well enough. Yeah. Uh, And I would, I would, I would challenge you a little bit on that. Um, dig in cause, and I'm not saying that we have tons of annoying people at our church, but I know myself, I'm sure I'm an annoying person to some people. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's so good to be able to dig in and to know those people. I think that's actually part of what church does for us is it brings us together and it allows the gospel to be the thing, the only thing that we have in common and it allows us to, to see God's grace and to practice grace with each other. Cause if we're going to take the mission of Jesus seriously to go and take, the good news to others um we need to practice grace and we need to do that with each other on sunday morning yeah that's great um, so uh last section attitudes towards worship um yeah you're talking with the worship pastor here so
1: so give me a little bit and
0: let's uh, let's riff on this in our remaining five minutes yeah well
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go with this but I think the the one thing I would say is in this passage the passage that we think about rejoice always pray continually give thanks in all circumstances is a passage that we often just apply personally to ourselves without any regard to the church at all yeah and I think that because it's connected to the next section that we don't talk about very often do not quench mm-hmm. the spirit do not treat prophecies with contempt but test them all and then hold on to what's good and reject the evil. The idea of yeah. testing prophecies was something that happened in the context of the congregation. As 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 the word of God was brought to us, you know, in, in different ways um, through the Holy Spirit, through people, in those moments, that was where the testing was going to happen. And so, you know, I, I think that it is it is good for us to not just take passages of scripture and apply them through the lens of our Western individualistic um, yep. concept you know if we Absolutely. if we see it in the context of this this instructions to the church what does that look like I mean what is our what do yeah. our worship services look like if those things are key um, yeah and I, I so I'm gonna jump in there
0: yeah. um, so all the things you've said there the rejoice pray give thanks uh, even the don't quench they're all active. Mm. Uh, and the, the tendency with um, with worship, kind of colloquial worship, if I can say that, which is our, the way we end up defining worship is that it can become more and more passive. The more used to it we get, the more comfortable we get, the more it becomes something you watch or you, you know, you kind of sing, but you, you know, it, it's not even, even our sermons, um, which I would say our sermons are absolutely part of our worship. Uh, you know, what is our, what is our job during our sermons? Well, you know, it's to sit there and to try to pay attention. Well, maybe that's not enough. uh, Right. How is it in the midst of these things we can rejoice and pray and give thanks and not quench the spirit? And how do we do that together? I think that's a really,
1: uh, a really good and tough question.
0: And you talked to, yeah, I was going to say, how do we
1: prepare for worship? What's the way that we can be ready for a Sunday morning? What does it look like?
0: Yeah, I, I think, um, I think that's the right question. And I think even just asking that question on a regular basis is, is a good first step, um, show up and, and think, or even as you're driving to church, how am I prepared? Mm. Uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with taking stock, uh, looking back over the week, the last, since the last time we worshiped together, uh, and just kind of remembering what God has been doing or remembering even those moments where maybe you've, you've been ignoring God, um, so one of the practices that our kids engage in is kind of this version of examine, which is this ancient practice of just seeing where was God present, where was God absent? Um, and I think those things, like doing that regularly in our lives allows us to rejoice. Uh, it, it kind of forces us to pray, right? It forces us to be like, oh man, what is it? God, I, you know, I screwed this up um, to repent uh, and then to give thanks, to really um, pay attention. I know with, so with our kids right now, it's interesting um, uh, we have, I think, completely normal kids who like to complain and they complain all the time. So one of the things we're trying to do as parents is to say, hey, you know, when you feel like complaining, when you feel like something's not going your way, pay attention, look around, find something, and be thankful uh, and and practice that because it actually does take practice. And I think it's the same thing with worship. I think if we if we come in having already kind of um, turned our hearts to pay it a little more attention, and I know like, I know coming to church, especially with kids, especially after fighting with a spouse, it can, it can take a lot out of you and you can feel like I'm not ready. Um, but even to have the awareness to be like, okay, God, work in me, prepare me right now. I think that can be really, um, really good. Yeah. Don't, don't come prepared to be entertained, come prepared to encounter God, to meet him and to have that like change you because that's what worship should do. Yeah. Um, and then I'll say really quickly, you also talked a little bit about comfort and risk. Uh, mm. and I, I, love that. I think that's, that's part of it. If, as we, as we read the Bible, um, and we understand in people having encounters with God, which is what we do when we worship, right? We, we come face to face with God and because of the spirit, um, we have the living God inside of us, which if you read the old Testament is kind of like, it's kind of terrifying. The living God, um, isn't predictable, isn't, um, what's the line from Narnia? He's not a tame lion, but he's good. Right. 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 And that's like, that's the picture we have of God. He's not, he's not predictable. He's not like A plus B equals C. Yeah. He's not safe. There we go. Um, and that's, uh, I think that's what happens when we come to worship. Um, there's inherently risk. So if you're coming to worship wanting what you want, feeling like, oh, that was a nice sermon this morning. It made me feel good. Maybe you're missing something. Coming to church shouldn't always make us feel good. It should make us feel like we're in the presence of the living God, like we have encountered something and we will never be the same because of it. And this happens every week. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, that's... uh, Oh, I could just keep going. But yeah, we're we're almost out of time here. Yeah, and,
1: and maybe that's that's kind of the point is that is that instead of seeing um Sunday as a place to come and receive something, it's like I gotta go and get my fix or whatever it is. It's almost yeah. it becomes like a hinge point where it's like it is the culmination of this week that I bring to God and then I'm preparing mm-hmm. myself for the next week, right? And there's sort yeah. of like this and, and so the work that we do beforehand is most important. Rather than showing up and hoping to have this spiritual experience, I think it was B.B. Warfield that said, you'll never fail to meet God in the pews if you bring him there yourself. And okay. I think I think that our responsibility to strengthen our church is to engage in a life of worship that we bring with us into the worship experience and uh, on the weekend. And now all of a sudden it's going to be a completely different and inspiring worship service because of that, right? So that's cool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Uh, And I think I think that's it. Do you want to just call it there? Do you have anything else to say, Paul? Well, I just,
1: I just want to read again for the very last uh, verse yeah. that says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. And it's God who does the work in us. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it i mean that's pretty awesome it's god's work at in us through the holy spirit um that that makes us a strong church and um and sometimes we just need to turn our attention to that and remember it yeah i love that well thanks paul uh and thank you
0: for listening along to this week to postscript Uh, as always please send us your questions if you've got things that you think ah, man i'd love to know more i'd love to hear dave and paul or whoever chat about these things we would love to hear from you and we'll talk to you next week here on postscript